This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. For cultivating progress across the South, for working to unconditionally improve the lives of all, and for the bold underwriting of every gravy podcast, SFA thanks our visionary Louisville, Kentucky friends, Pam and Brooke Smith. In the last few years, restaurants and restaurant work have been in the news, and Stories about two phenomenon have dominated that media coverage. The question of tipping and the threat of sexual harassment and sexual abuse. Yep. And the tipping story broke first, compelled by the move of Union Square Hospitality Group in New York City to eliminate tipping and raise wages and raise prices in some of its restaurants. Then, when the sexual harassment stories, Batali, Besh, Friedman, and more, broke, Tipping stories kind of disappeared for a while. Almost like one didn't have anything to do with the other. But as many who have waited tables know, those two stories are forever entwined. Deeply so. And the future of the restaurant industry depends on the successful resolution of both issues. Because... Restaurants should be safe places to work, and the people who work in restaurants should be fairly compensated for that work. But we're not there yet. I'm John T. Edge. And I'm Melissa Hall. We're your hosts for Gravy. 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 A production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, Gravy tells new and complicated stories about the changing American South. For this smart episode, Irina Zhorov delves into the politics of tipping. About one in ten people in the United States workforce works in restaurants. It's a growing industry. And along with hotels, it's got a big problem. We have the highest rates of sexual harassment of any industry. This is Saro Jayaraman, who co-founded the advocacy group Restaurant Opportunity Centers United. She says 90% of female workers in the industry report experiencing harassment. And in Saru's view, it's not like there's something innate in the industry that causes harassment to be so rampant. It's not organic to the nature of the industry. Rather, advocates say, it's due to how much restaurant workers get paid and how they make that money. Workers can receive salaries, hourly wages, or, in the case of most servers, tips. The idea of tipping came to the United States from Europe, where it's a small bonus for service, on top of regular wages. In the U.S., it became something else. After the Civil War, some companies hiring formerly enslaved people, notably the Pullman Train Company, 
insist that they didn't have to pay their new employees. Their wages, instead, would consist entirely of tips. Congress introduced the first federal minimum wage law, the Fair Labor Standards Act, in 1938. But it left those tip workers out. The important thing to note is that back then, the Fair Labor Standards Act only covered about maybe one of every five workers. It didn't cover everyone in the labor force. This is Sylvia Allegretto. She's an economist and co-chair of the Center on Wage and Employment Dynamics at UC Berkeley. One of the amendments to the Fair Labor Standards Act in 1966 expanded the protections to hotel, restaurant, and other service workers who weren't originally covered So it widened the umbrella, but it punctured a hole through it. The law created something called a sub-minimum wage, or tipped wage. It allowed employers to pay tipped workers less than the minimum wage. The tips, theoretically, would bring the pay up to the minimum, maybe even more. So basically, tips are not always tips. What Sylvia is saying is that for many tipped workers, tips are not a bonus on top of wages. They are the wages. They constitute most of a worker's pay. Sylvia says discrimination allowed the structure to continue. At the time, a lot of the new service workers that were coming under the FLSA umbrella were men of color. Employers just simply did not want to pay them the regular minimum wage. It's important to know that it is out of a racist ideology that the two-tier system came into being in the first place. Today, the federal subminimum wage is $2.13 per hour. Customer tips are supposed to bring that up to at least the federal minimum wage of $7.25 per hour, or whatever the local standard is. If it's a slow night or the customers are leaving bad tips and the server's wage doesn't reach that lowest guaranteed rate, the restaurant is supposed to make up the difference. But... Well... It's, it's rarely enforced. Some states set a higher subminimum wage. Seven states, mostly in the West, don't have a tipped wage at all. There, servers receive at least the full minimum wage, plus tips on top of that. Victoria DeLeon grew up in Oregon, one of the seven full-wage states, and she started working with food as a teenager. She moved to New York and London, where she also received a paycheck working in the restaurant industry. Then she moved to Oxford, Mississippi, to attend graduate school. She got a job serving at a restaurant. Which is like fine dining, but it's like wood-fired pizza. It's not stuffy. She liked it there, but when she received her first check, it surprised her. Mississippi was the first time that I was like, oh, like my employer is not paying me anything, which was a crazy concept for me. But for people in the South, and especially in Mississippi, I think it's very, very normal. In the South, almost every state sticks to that federal tipped wage of $2.13 per hour. The exceptions are Arkansas and West Virginia, which require employers to pay 50 cents more than that. In Florida, servers get $5.44 an hour. Taxes further whittle away at the hourly earnings. And then you get a check that's literally, like, literally zero dollars. So for the first time, pretty much all of Victoria's wages came from tips. And suddenly, just doing a good job wasn't enough. I am not 
a super feminine woman. I don't wear makeup on a regular basis, but I definitely started wearing makeup to shifts. She'd stand closer to a table than she might have otherwise. You know as a, as a woman that if you're a little bit nicer, a little bit flirtier, that people are going to like you better, and that doesn't feel quite as important until there's money on the table, right? Sometimes the tips came with unwanted attention. She remembers one night. We were counting tips and I was like, wow, this guy at table seven just really could not keep his hands off of me. I don't know what it was. It was really uncomfortable and weird all night. And her manager was like, why didn't you say anything? Internally, I was kind of like, what were you going to do? Kick him out? He just spent $400. Like, <laughs> no, you're not going to kick him out. There were times when I didn't go to a, a manager because I was like, I mean, I kind of need the tip. Maybe they would do something about it. But like, I'm not going to kick this guy out before he's paid. He, I just like have been waiting on him for two hours. It should be said, by the way, that other people and organizations I reached out to did not want to go in the record with their experiences. These are negative, sometimes traumatizing aspects of their work, and they could see potential repercussions for discussing them. Victoria says her experience with harassment at work was, quote, mild. She says it was standard restaurant fare, sexist banter from coworkers, misbehaving customers, Many restaurant workers cite that and worse, much worse. From the guest's side, it comes from a culture of entitlement that we think that people who serve us are just available to us in any way that we deem appropriate. I should be able to do whatever I want because I'm paying your wages. So I think that it comes down to like that economic system in some ways. Saru, with Rock United, points out that around 70% of people working for tips today are women. And they're largely women working in IHOPs and Denny's and Applebee's, very casual restaurants where tips are very meager. Many of them, she says, are single mothers. And when you're a woman working at an IHOP or a Denny's or an Olive Garden for two bucks an hour and you're a single mom, you're going to tolerate whatever a customer does to you, however they touch you or treat you or talk to you, because the customer is always right, the customer pays your bills, the customer feeds your kids, not your employer. Rock United surveyed workers in different states and found that rates of harassment were lower in the seven states where employers have to pay a full minimum wage. We see one half the rate of sexual harassment in the restaurant industry in the seven states as we see in the states that have a sub-minimum wage of $2.13. And that is because when a woman in these seven states is paid a full minimum wage, she can count on income from her boss. She's not as entirely reliant on the tip to feed her kids. And so she doesn't have to put up with harassment from the customers. Rock study is relatively small, and it's not clear if the wage difference is what's causing the reduced instances of harassment. But I asked Victoria, would she have acted differently that night if she wasn't working just for tips? Oh, I totally would have gone to a manager. <laughs> for Saru, then, getting rid of the tipped minimum wage is one of the biggest things policymakers can do to protect tipped workers. And it won't be easy. It is due to the money, power, and influence of a trade lobby called the National Restaurant Association. We call it the other NRA. For decades, the group has lobbied successfully to keep wages, especially for tipped employees, low. The federal subminimum wage has been stuck at 213 since 1991, even as the regular minimum wage rose by $3 in that time. 
In fact, right now that tipped wage is frozen at 213 in perpetuity. And while some southern cities and states have seen campaigns to increase the minimum wage, many did not include language to raise the subminimum wage in the process. So what are servers and restaurants doing to address harassment? When we come back, tipping, subminimum wages, alcohol, and navigating the complex web of diner expectations. Heavy. But first... Named for the original Lodge Cast Iron Foundry, Black Lock capitalizes on Lodge's heritage and long-standing reputation of innovation and quality. Black Lock cookware models the thin, lightweight design of historic cast iron and celebrates the latest Lodge advancement, a triple season finish. This process gets you natural nonstick finish right out of the box, and those three layers of seasoning enhance the great flavor Lodge Cast Iron is known for. Each piece heats up and cools down fast for everyday cooking. Cleanup is even easier. As Lodge introduces Blacklock cast iron cookware, the beloved South Pittsburgh, Tennessee company leverages its past to look toward the future, toward what we can cook together. You may find Blacklock cookware online at blacklockfoundry.com. For Lodge cast iron support of the Southern Foodways Alliance and all of our work, including this podcast, we thank them. Hi, it's Melissa, and if you're looking for another great podcast from the South, then you have to check out No Small Endeavor, produced by our friends at Great Feeling Studios and PRX. Each episode, award-winning professor and Nashville native Lee C. Camp merges the worlds of philosophy, theology, the arts, and more to ask the question, how can we live a good life while nourishing the soul? Plus, it's the only show I know that features everyone from legendary actor and filmmaker Rob Reiner to Southern activist and author Anthony Ray Hinton. So go ahead, follow No Small Endeavor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and tell them Gravy said hey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Liz Murray is the director of HR and communications at the Marlowe Collective, which runs half a dozen restaurants in New York City. She's also a co-founder of the national group Women in Hospitality United. They work to come up with solutions to problems in the industry. One of the issues they focused on is sexual harassment. The group has been on a listening tour around the country. The idea is to hear how women doing the job would address the problem. I caught Liz by phone at a workshop in Austin as participants were sitting down to brainstorm. We have a table downstairs right now working on the wage gap, and we have a table working on sexual harassment and violence in the workplace. And I guarantee you that the actions that they come out of the day with and recommend to the, to the group as a whole will not involve eliminating the subminimum wage. She says it's not that it won't help. It's just more complicated than the tipped wage. 
Unlike Saru Jayaraman, Liz believes there is something innate about the industry that makes harassment a problem. Truth is, when you have a situation where people are working in an environment that is created for people to have fun and to consume alcohol and sometimes to overconsume alcohol, the chances that something is going to happen are just increased, no matter how the person is being paid. It's just the nature of it. She also says it's not just a money thing. Most of the servers and bartenders she works with average between $38 and $45 an hour. That's well above the minimum wage and average server income. But they still deal with harassment. People in states with no subminimum wage also deal with harassment. So she says addressing harassment has to include actionable solutions now. Things like giving workers the chance to report harassment to a third party instead of their boss. And consistent training to recognize and stop harassment in the workplace. Every person in New York State is now required to receive sexual harassment training on the job once a year. Um, If you just think about the impact that that will have over time, especially for companies that really commit to thinking about what that training should look like in order to support their employees, I think will be incredibly valuable. Mississippi, by the way, does not require private sector employees to receive such training. Most states don't. Liz also says change will come when managers and women themselves start to trust when they feel uncomfortable. Part of the issue is also about personal empowerment, right? Like, we have to get women to a place where the first time someone does it, they're like, this isn't okay. Now, I understand that for a woman who's low income or struggling to meet her financial responsibilities, that those lines can get blurry. The median server income in America is $10.47 per hour. That's more than the federal minimum wage, but still two and a half times less than the average wages in the private sector. In other words, for most people, it's a low income job. Working as a server in Oxford, Victoria's income fluctuated incredibly due to things outside her control. For example, during football season in the football-loving college town that is Oxford, she did all right. I could easily make like $200 on like a six-hour shift or so. Brunches were like about $2,250. She rarely worked the super busy weekend shifts, so she made less than colleagues who did. I'm also deaf in one ear, so working a loud restaurant shift um, at the busiest times is just really hard for me. But football season only lasts four months. And in the summer, her income tanked completely. There were days when you're not even really breaking even, um, where you're losing money to be there in order to be on the schedule when football season comes back around. The highs and lows are a hallmark of tipped restaurant work, and one of the things that makes employees wary of complaining Managers can easily retaliate by putting them on less lucrative shifts. Economist Sylvia Allegretto says there's a correlation between poverty levels among servers in states that require employers to pay a full minimum wage and 213 states. The poverty rate is about twice as high for tipped workers in those low-wage states. Few workers have sick leave. These are people handling your food. They have no sick leaves. They have no to very low incidence of benefits, for instance. The South has some of the lowest average incomes for servers in the country. 
Saru with Rock United says many issues are magnified here. That gender disparity of mostly women in the front, mostly men in the back is more pronounced in the South. And on top of all of that, some of the racial dynamics in the South are also very highly pronounced. So you'll see mostly women of color, people of color in casual restaurants, and almost no people of color in fine dining where the few, very few livable wage jobs are. Saru estimates that fewer than 20% of restaurant workers are earning a livable wage. She says that's problematic everywhere, but particularly in the South, where food is a cornerstone of cities' identities and economies. She cites New Orleans as an example. These are destination restaurant scenes where everybody knows that hospitality is really driving the economy. And everybody knows, given that hospitality is driving the economy, that hospitality is a profession. For Victoria, the only time she felt recognized as a professional was when she worked at a Danny Meyer restaurant called Maialino in New York City. No customer, no guest ever put their hands on me in a Danny Meyer restaurant. And none of them were being flirtatious. It was like they recognized this is your profession. This is what you do. This is how you pay your bills. Employees of nearly all the restaurants in Meyer's Union Square Hospitality Group are paid a wage rather than tips. It's a model some restaurants, mostly in big cities like New York, are trying in order to address inequities in the workplace, with varying degrees of success. At Maialino, Victoria earned about $22 an hour minimum, sometimes more. For her, it was good money. My experience was coming into fine dining from like not fine dining and being like, holy crap, (laughs) like I was making the best money that I've ever made. But for people used to fine dining earnings who could earn more with tips, That may not be the solution either. Victoria was hired after the restaurant got rid of tipping. 30 to 40 percent of its longtime front of house employees had quit in search of greener pastures. Irina Zhorov reported this episode. She's a reporter based in North Carolina, and she's working on a novel set in Siberia. (laughs) Mountains, mountains. Special thanks go to. We thank Wendell Patrick for Gravy's theme music, Jazar for our donor music, and audio engineer Charlie Kyer for his smart and good work. Managing editor for Gravy and all other SFA media is Sarah Camp Milam. Mary Beth Lassiter serves as our publisher. Gravy the Journal and Gravy the Podcast share a name. Gravy, right? Mm hmm. So, It makes sense that our coverage in Gravy the Journal has touched on some of these same issues, and it has. Read Jenna Mason's Gravy column about life as a server. It's up on the SFA website right now. And if you like that column and love this podcast, consider making a donation to SFA or become a member. Member and donor dollars fund all of our work, both kinds of gravy. Think about that donation as a tip. Stop it. I'm Melissa Hall. I'm John T. Edge. Thanks for letting us pour some gravy in your ear.